This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. This segment is brought to you by Rabbi Yehudi Shane, the administrator of Kashrus Anytime, which is a division of the Kosher Consumers Union, a 501c3 organization. At this time, we're going to be addressing um, basically being a responsible driver, um, second, um, second chapter. One of the most important things to have in your car is a dash cam, to have a dash cam in your car, uh, but you should also have one that can uh, do the inside of the car, which is you are taking the one that would do the, the back of the car and install it inside. Because a lot of police are giving false, unjustified tickets for people being on a cell phone when either they don't—they're not on a cell phone, or they don't even have one in the car, etc. Or they were scratching their ear, or twirling their hair, or their payers, or whatever else it is, and they get a ticket for that. Very expensive. So you have a dash cam that'll show the condition in the front of the car. Plus, you have a dash cam that will show the condition inside the car. You'll save yourself a lot of aggravation, a lot of headache, and a lot of fool's tickets, and the judge will always believe the officer over the person unless you have the evidence. And it's important to have your own dash cam in the car. An officer will notice the dash cam and think twice about issuing a full summons. It'll also be able to prove your speed or that you did not go through a stop sign or a red light or any other alleged infraction and that you were not at fault for the accident. You are not on a cell phone, etc., etc. Another very important thing is to always back into your driveway. Because when you're going out of your driveway backwards and you don't see what the condition of traffic is or cars or whatever else it is, you don't have a second person to watch, very, very hard to really know what's going on behind it. Backing into the driveway is pretty easy by you know the condition on the road, now you know the condition what it is in the driveway you saw. Make sure there's no children's bicycles or children's toys because they might run from someplace to go grab their toy or their carriage or anything else. So just make sure there's nothing in there that a child or somebody might decide to go to um, uh, go to grab it, that everything is clear. Easier backing into a driveway and backing into a road in order to make a U-turn. Happens to be by the... Um, the army uh, and all of them, their vehicles always have to be backed in. It's a very big safety precaution. Now, in the event that you do get a ticket, basically, uh, and you feel you're not you're not at fault, etc., it is either getting a hold of an attorney, uh, doing your research and getting these places to call, etc., etc. And uh, sometimes you decide, no, you're going to handle it yourself in court. You feel that you're right, and you feel you can handle it. So we'll give you some tips of how to handle it in court based on actual things that has happened in court uh, that we're aware of. If you plan to plead guilty to the charge, come to the court at the prescribed time, give yourself time for going through a metal detector, and bring along a picture ID. The judge will give a speech as how he runs his courtroom. Every judge has his own ways of running his courtroom. Then he'll usually call each name and you respond, here or present, etc. Then I'll ask you, how do you plead? You respond, guilty, your honor. Guilt with an explanation, basically, is, doesn't really help by a judge. 
It's either guilty or not guilty. Not guilty, then you'll go to a trial, you'll get something, you'll try and make a deal with the prosecutor. But when you want to plead guilty, you just say guilty or honor. First, most judges will take all the guilty pleas one at a time. The judge calls your name, you go up to the front and stand by the microphone or defendant's table, as the case may be. The judge will question you if you understand that you're pleading guilty out of your own free will and you'll understand what the charge is. If this involved an accident, ask the judge to mark the case with a civil reservation. The only time you get a civil reservation is in court and asking the judge to mark it as civil reservation. Civil reservation means that if anyone was hurt, they can't use your guilty plea as proof of your guilt in a civil trial for damages. They would have to prove it all on their own. They could have the police report, etc., but they can't use the fact that you pleaded guilty to a thing, and that is called a civil reservation. Uh, the judge will then impose a fine plus court costs. You can ask the judge if a pair is possible, like over a month or two. Then you go to the court clerk's office and pay the fine. Sometimes you could, which is very easy, very often if you have no reason to go down to court in order for a civil reservation, then you could pay it online and keep the receipt basically forever for 20 years. It's very common. We found New York, New Jersey, plus another a number of states will come back to you 19, 20 years later and say, we don't have a record of you paying for this thing. I don't know if it's deliberate or they lose their things as that. And if you can't prove that you basically paid that fine, you are obligated to pay it again. If you don't pay it again, they will basically um, take away your license and give you other fines for it. So always put it away. You can keep it with your silver. Pretty safe place. Usually there's a list of all the cases for the day on the outside, posted either outside in the hall or on a table in the, in the courtroom. Check that your case is on the list. Sometimes there are two lists, morning session, afternoon, evening session. If you don't see your name on it, you may have marked your calendar with the wrong day so it doesn't pay to just sit around for three or four hours and then realize that you're not on the list. So you'll go to the court clerk and find out why you're not on the list. If you intend to plead not guilty, read the entire ticket and call the court clerk seven days in advance and notify them that you are pleading not guilty. Ask for the name of the person that took your call, write it down, including the date and the time of your call. Because very often what happens is they don't know they got the call, they don't know, you didn't call anybody, you didn't tell anybody, so they don't reserve a time, a slot for you with the prosecutor, etc. That call will reserve for you a time slot to talk to the prosecutor to either ask for a dismissal or to work at some sort of plea bargain to a lesser charge, less points. Note, usually the original dollar amount of the fine will remain the same, but the court costs will go up, etc., etc. And not always is it that much to your advantage to have a non-point ticket. There are times, which I'm not going to get into at this time, of how to deal with a thing if you should take a no-point ticket or pay sometimes to take one or two points. The license plate on the vehicle must be securely fastened and fully visible even at night. They have little lights over there, and those lights must be working around the plate. At times, one may get a ticket for some of the words, like State of New Jersey or Garden State is covered up by the dealer's outer frame that he puts on there. They may issue the summons for New Jersey Statute 39, colon 3, 
1-33, which includes fictitious plates, which is a very serious and expensive ticket. The correct statue would be uh, New Jersey 39-3-33.2, which is strictly for cover of obscure plates. Ask the court or prosecutor to correct the ticket to the correct statute because basically if an uh, insurance company sees that you got for fictitious plates, you may lose your insurance, etc., or they're going to raise your premiums. Another thing is if it's on your record and a judge sees it when you get a different ticket and he sees that you are driving around with fictitious plates, he looks at you completely differently. So make sure that it's not 39 colon 3.33, but dash 33.2. At times, you may feel you're not guilty and the prosecutor does not give you a fair plea bargain. You could ask for a postponement and you want to come back with an attorney. How to find an attorney? That will deal with another time, the section of finding an attorney, but now we're going to just give you some episodes of how to deal with something in court. The, par the defendant got a parking ticket for parking within 50 feet of a stop sign. The officer and the prosecutor take their seats at the plaintiff's table, and the defendant takes a seat at the defendant's table. Put down your file, your, your folder, and your batch of pictures on the table. The officer is put on standby. Your municipal prosecutor is testifies that has the officer testify as to the circumstances present at the time he issued a summons for parking within 50 feet of a stop sign in New Jersey it's illegal to park within 50 feet of a stop sign the officer is sworn in and testified that he observed the vehicle parked on the specific street with a clear visible stop sign the defendant questioned him if it's a residential or rural area the reason is, according to the MUTCD, which is the Federal Manual of Traffic Control Devices, stop signs, which all states basically have adopted it to be their part of their statutes also, it's called MUTCD. You could look it up online to look up any one of their laws and etc. Stop signs must be from the roadway to the bottom of the sign, 5 to 7 feet of residential areas, and seven to nine feet in a rural area. So if this was in um, a rural area and the stop sign was only six feet from the pavement, it's an illegal stop sign and you get it dismissed for that. Or if it was higher than seven feet in a residential area and not in a rural area, you could get it dismissed for that. So you have to know exactly what it is and be familiar with MUTCD. The officer said it was a residential area. Officer was then asked, did you check the height of the stop sign from the roadway to the bottom of the sign? He responded, no, he did not. The prosecutor stood up and, and interjected, we must assume that it's in compliance unless you have proof that it isn't in compliance. The prosecutor and the judge glanced at the table and the pictures laid out. They were concerned that possibly the defendant has pictures to prove with a ruler that it is not in compliance. So it makes them a little bit jittery of how to deal with this case. Then the officer is asked, did you check if there's a township ordinance for that stop sign at that location? Because every stop sign in New Jersey and most, uh, just about all other states has to have an ordinance passed to have a stop sign put there and it has to be approved. 
Dove says he did not check. The prosecutor stood up and interjected, we must assume that it's in compliance unless you have proof that it isn't in compliance. Then the defendant asked the officer, was the stop sign placed within five feet of the corner or crosswalk? Dove says he didn't check. The prosecutor did his spiel again. He proceeded to ask the officer, how far was the front end of the vehicle from the stop sign? The officer said, 48 feet. Interesting. And the defendant asked the officer, how do you measure the distance? The officer said he paced the distance with his feet. At that time, the defendant removed from his attaché case a Stanley 100-foot ruler and put it down on the defense table. And he said, officer, can you please pace 50 feet from the honorable judge's table down the aisle? At that point, the officer and the prosecutor blushed. They knew good and well that the officer is never going to be able to come to a right count of 48 feet. The judge said, Mr. Defendant, what do you want at this point? The defendant said, I want to have the case dismissed. The judge took his hammer, hammered and said case dismissed because they did not want to put the officer through that embarrassing moment. <clears throat> now, parking at, parking at a no-parking street in front of a hospital. Defendant brought a patient to the hospital and there was construction going on at that time. This construction was at the hospital parking lot and the street in front of the parking lot was also part of the construction. Two officers approached the defendant's vehicle and said, you can't park here. Uh, defendant says, I'm sorry, officers, but I'm bringing a patient to the hospital. The officer said, you still can't park here on the street. It's a no parking zone. By the way, the signs were not there because of the, the construction. They removed them. He did his duty and continued with the patient into the hospital. After the patient was checked in, the defendant returned immediately to the vehicle to move it. Both officers were waiting, and they handed the defendant a no-parking ticket. The defendant asked them both for their names, and observed that due to the construction, there was no sign of no parking. And the defendant went down to the municipal building to check if there is a current municipal ordinance of no parking at this location on this street. To the defendant's surprise, there was no ordinance of no parking on that street at all. Uh, so, the defendant called the court clerk to advise them that he's pleading not guilty. He also subpoenaed both officers as his witnesses. The reason for that is, if they are the state's witness, then you could only question them on what they testify to. On the other hand, if they are the defendant's witness... You can question them about anything relevant to the case. So you really could have a ball on giving them an all different line of questions, not only what they testify to, and you'll usually be able to do a better job of the case. Plus, as we'll see, he arrived in the court for the trial, and the prosecutor approaches the defendant to inquire why the subpoena the two officers as your witnesses. They're going to be here anyways as the state witnesses. So the defendant tells the Prosecutor, you prepare your case as you see fit, and I'll prepare my case as I see fit. And the prosecutor instructs the officers to testify that there was, the no parking signs were present. It was a straight out lie, but the defendant had pictures to prove it, but he told them to lie about it. And the defendant's case was the last one of the day. Guilty please go first, next is attorneys, and then public defender cases. 
Then the not guilty plea without attorneys. Now the prosecutor and one officer take their seat at the plaintiff's table, and the defendant takes a seat at the defendant's table, putting down his file folder and pictures clearly visible. Just as the court clerk is ready to have the officer sworn, defendant rises to tell the court, uh, Your Honor, I subpoenaed both officers and my witnesses, therefore I'm requesting that the second officer should please leave the courtroom and not hear the first officer's testimony. I'm also requesting that the first officer's testimony should be instructed by the court not to talk to the other officer and at the same thing for the prosecutor not to go talk to the other officer to tell him what this first one said. The court said so ordered. Second officer left the courtroom. First officer sworn in and testifies that the defendant was the driver of the vehicle and that he was instructed by him that this is a no parking zone on the street and that there were signs visible no parking even though there was construction going on at the time. Defendant asked The officer was asked, uh, what's the name of the street that it happened and what time did it happen? He said it was on Cedar Street between um, 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock. asked, between what streets is, the, is that located? He said between 1st and 2nd Avenues. So, the defendant showed the officer the municipal no parking ordinances and asked him, point out where it lists Cedar Street between 1st and 2nd Avenues and no parking zone. He was unable to locate it. At that point, the prosecutor interjected and said, Your Honor, the street name was changed about three years ago, but the street signs were not changed and updated. The defendant says, Your Honor, I as a responsible citizen checked the municipal ordinance for no parking zones, and this location does not appear. So in fact, it's not no parking zone. The judge says he reserved the decision on that issue. After the defendant finished with all the questions of the first officer, the second officer was brought into the courtroom. The officer was sworn in and testified to his version of the episode. He was questioned also to what time the episode happened. And his time was an hour and a half later than the first officer's testimony. Plus, there was numerous other questions of him, and his responses contradicted the first officer's testimony on many issues. Mind you, they were both under oath and contradicting each other. And that is the reason why they were basically subpoenaed as the defendant's witnesses. And the, defend, the, the defendant summarized this case without testifying of what happened. He just said, the, basically, I don't intend to testify. And uh, because what happens is when you testify, they'll try to prove the case from your testimony. But if you don't testify, and you said, Your, your Honor, we have two officers on the oath, both of them testifying to two different times, different facts, etc., etc. And there was nothing that this street is listed in the municipal ordinance as a no parking. So the, the judge says, I find the defendant not guilty, but I find the prosecutor guilty. The prosecutor jumps on and says, guilty for what? The judge responds, the ordinance and the street signs are not in sync. Therefore, it must be by the for the last three years, many people may have gotten summonses and paid fines for a sign that and a street that doesn't exist. 
Therefore, by the next court session, if those signs are not changed and in compliance with the municipal ordinances, I will order you, prosecutor, to do all of the research and anyone that was ticketed for parking on that street in the past three years to return their fine money. The prosecutor was livid at that point. As the defendant was leaving the courtroom, the prosecutor was very upset and he told the police officers to follow this defendant and try to give him a ticket for something. So the defendant sat down outside of the courtroom on a bench. Someone came over and asked him, could I help you? So he said loudly for the prosecuting officer to hear, I'm waiting for someone to pick me up. They should be here in about an hour. And the defendant saw the prosecuting officer glance at the other, they have a dilemma. Then waited around, the defendant waited around about 10 minutes, walked around the outside of the courthouse, going in circles, as if waiting for somebody. Then he went into his car and he left. And basically that's how you get this thing dismissed. We'll continue with other cases in another.